Good morning, Living Water. Let's go in his presence this morning. Sing this with me. With this heart open wide. With this heart open wide. From the depths, from the heights, I will bring a sacrifice. With these hands lifted high, hear my song, hear my cry. I will a sacrifice I will be a sacrifice I lay me down, sing it up
lift him up this morning. Jesus, there's no one 
great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living Lord. who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages steps out from glory to wear my sin has spoken I am forgiven the King of Kings calls me his own beautiful Savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ I
Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? And then later in verse 4. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, God, and we praise you and we thank you that you are our salvation, God, that you are our all in all, that you are our living hope, that all of these things, God, you fill us with, God, and that is who you are, God, and we praise you and we lift your name on high for those things this morning, God. God, we thank you that you are our light and our salvation, God, that you are the stronghold of our life, God. You are the rock that we can build our lives upon, God, that we won't be shaken by the winds and the waves and the storms that can come crashing in, God, that you keep us safe, that, you, God, you uphold us, God, you strengthen us, God, that you love us and you care for us. God, and that Jesus went to die on the cross, God, that he was the lamb who was slain, that he bore our iniquities and our shame and our guilt, God, that we could have that new life, that, God, that you would be our salvation. God, and we look even further, and we see that he bridged the gap, that we could know you, God, that we could draw near to you and to your presence, God, that we could spend eternity with you, God, that you have answered that cry, that we want to dwell in your house and be near to you forever, God. And through your great love that was displayed on the cross, and through the resurrection, God, we have that new life. God, so we praise you for that this morning, God, and we just remember that, God. We just let that be the banner that we hold over our lives, God. God, so just be with us this morning as we just venture into your presence, God, as we seek after you, God, that you would just encourage us, strengthen us, and speak to us now, God. God, we are listening. Lord, just help us now. We love you, and we praise you. It's in Christ, and we pray all of these things. Amen. Good morning, church. Listen, we had an opportunity this week <clears throat> to take the staff at Living Water down to a conference um, in Rockwall, just um, over east of Dallas. <clears throat> and uh, it was a great time to get away and just to connect with, uh, with the staff on that level, you know, around here working and everybody's doing ministry. And so there's something about getting us all together in a van and driving to the Dallas area, sharing meals together and getting to laugh together and fellowship with one another uh, without all the burdens that take place sometimes with our schedules. Um, and then get to run into some old friends or we had the opportunity to hang out with the O'Briens, which if you know, uh, Ed and Renee are some really good friends of mine. And I got to spend some time with them as well. So it was really refreshing to get away. Conference was great. It's like drinking from a water fountain. You know what I'm talking about? You go there and there's just so much good stuff that it feels overwhelming. Um, and let me just tell you for a second about this church. It was off the chain. Huge. Um, I got a nickname for churches like that. I call them Six Flags Over Jesus. It's huge, right? I mean, the sanctuary was like almost 5,000 seats. So you look across it and you're like, Wow. Youth room was like two or three stories high. It was just crazy how big stuff of the children's ministry. And we were all talking to each other about this, and we're thinking, man, this is cool, but I wouldn't want the headache. And so we come back to our little humble abode here at Living Water, and I just want to tell you, this is so special. This is so sweet. I'm so glad to be with you this morning and to be able to share God's word with you. Are you happy to be here this morning? 
Good. I appreciate that. As uh, Lance said, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, and I want to share with you uh, this morning a message that's fresh. In fact, it's so fresh that this morning um, I was praying all day yesterday, spending time in the Word, just different places, and asking the Lord for direction. What do I need to share today? What do we need to hear today? And I went into the house later that afternoon. I told Rachel, I said, pray for me. I got nothing. You know, I had a lot of good study, but I didn't feel like anything was just uh, where, where God wanted me to go yet. I mean, I went to bed with a thought, and I woke up with that thought this morning and spent some time again in prayer. Just, God, is this, is this what you want us to share today? And so I feel like it's what he led me to, and so I spend the bulk of my time this morning getting ready. Um, so if it feels like a half-baked cake, it is. Well, we'll trust God to fill in the blanks and to, to get that sucker the rest of the way done. Amen? So Matthew chapter 14, I want to share with you a message for just a moment. What do you see? What do you see? And let me start off by saying this. I, living with ADHD, am a distracted individual. Sometimes, my wife says amen, sometimes distractions are small, insignificant, not a big deal, right? I mean, you, you leave one part of the house, you go to the other part of the house, something happens between there, a phone rings, or somebody says something, or you hear a noise, or you're like, ooh, look, chocolate, whatever it is, and you get to the other room, and you're like, why did I come into this room? Anybody else struggle with that? Some of that's age, but some of it's just distraction, right? And that's the insignificant stuff. And the other one is we live on the other side of town, and when I'm supposed to meet someone here at the church, I will just you know, get on the, in the truck, and maybe I take a phone call on the way to the church, or as I'm getting to the, the truck, and I make it all the way to the building only to discover that I did not bring my keys to the church. And I call Joey, who lives across the parking lot. Hey, dude, can you bail me out? Can you come unlock the church? I'm supposed to meet someone, and I want to drive all the way back home. Some of the distractions are not a big deal, right? I mean, they're just, in, they're just uh, kind of just, uh, what would you call that? Uh, yeah, inconvenience, right? You just have these inconveniences in life. But then there are other distractions sometimes that come up that can um, be a little bit more damaging to our faith and to our just psyche and all that stuff. And we've got plenty of things in our country today that are distracting us. Would you agree with that statement? I want you just to consider for a moment the many things that we have learned just in the past <clears throat> few years, excuse me, of what's going on in our country. We've got division in our schools. We're talking about critical race theory. We're worried as parents about what they're teaching our children and all this stuff. Seems like it's just fresh. It's new. In politics, we got, I don't know if you know, Friday they passed the $1.2 trillion bill for spending, and it's like drunken teenagers in Washington right now. They're crazy. And so you got all these things going on, and then you've got the, the, the corrupt people. Some are being indicted and arrested, and you've got COVID, and you've got mandates, and you've got all of these different things that are going on around. And, and I'm just going to be honest. From my perspective, I can get so wrapped up in all the stuff that's going on around me that I can get distracted. Now, the problem with distractions is sometimes the distraction can lead us to an unhealthy spot. I was in one of the breakout sessions at this conference um, talking about burnout. And I'm not burnout yet. I'm exhausted, but I'm not burnout. Um, I've been burnout. I know what that looks like. But I went there kind of as a preventative maintenance, if you will. I'm like, I'm going to go make sure I don't go down that road again. And one of the questions that the pastor was asking there in that breakout was like, how many of you feel frustrated? And I'm like, no, the church has been great. He's talking about in relation to COVID and all that. Church is awesome. He's great. I'm not frustrated there. How many of you are, are um, what do you say, worried? I'm like, no, God's provided, he's taken care of. But then he said, how many of you just feel numb? And I went, ooh, that's a good word for me, numb. Just going through the motions, just kind of doing one foot in front of the other and just going and going and going. And I started thinking about that concept of being distracted. And the word distracted simply means having the attention diverted. 
So we focus on something and then we're going along and we get distracted. The attention is diverted to something else. And so the problem is when we allow that attention to be diverted for long periods of time, how many of you know if you watch the news too much, you can be discouraged this morning? You can look around and say, oh my lands, this thing is like we're on the fast track to hell. I mean, it's what it feels like. All the stuff going on around us, it's like this is crazy. And I would say there are many studies that talk about the amount of screen time that our children have and how it affects them with fear and anxiety. Adults, we are the same way. And so 2020, we're all sitting around twiddling our thumbs, watching a lot of TV. And there's plenty of things for us to get kind of worked up about and distracted with. And the point I want to make is when we focus on the things that distract us, that get our focus off of what it should be on, we are walking around with fear. We're walking around with anxiety. It can rob us of the passion for God that we might have once experienced. It can cause us to not look at the, the, the needs of other people, but to look to our own needs. It can really mess us up. Amen? And it can cause us to sink even in our faith. Sometimes our faith will waver. Sometimes we're walking strong in our faith, and other times we're doubting, is God in control? Has God got this? Does God know what's going on in Washington? I mean, is he paying attention? It's kind of messed up right now. And so he can cause our faith even to falter. And as I was thinking about that, I thought of the story of old Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on the water. And the lesson in that is so obvious to each one of us. As long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on top of the water. Only two people in history ever do that, Jesus who was divine, and Peter, who was a bonehead, right? Peter walked on the water, but it says that when he saw, say saw, so he had a distraction. His attention was diverted away from this miracle of walking on the water with Jesus when he saw the wind and the waves. He began to sink, right? And so the reality is, is these distractions that we can encounter in life, and, and maybe you've been strong in your faith, and you've experienced your own distraction on a more personal level. And you're like, man, this distraction's got me so focused and, and just hyper-focused on the things that are going on around me that it's caused me to take my eyes off of Jesus to take my eyes off of my fellowship with, with God in the Word, to take my, 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 I guess, the importance and the urgency in my life to be plugged into a, a fellowship. There's many things that we can do that can allow us to be distracted, that can cause us to get into an unhealthy spot. And so I asked the question this morning, what do you see in the midst of a storm? And so the story is in Matthew chapter 14, and it's one that we know really well. So Jesus has just fed the, the 5,000. 5,000 with what I call a happy meal. Five loaves, two fish. He multiplies it and feeds 5,000. It says, not counting women and children. So that was a pretty powerful miracle that they had just observed, right? And so then he sends the disciples, and it says he insisted that they go to the other side. And so I have a feeling that maybe they were kind of arguing with Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, you guys go ahead and go to the other side, and I'm going to send these nice people home after they've had a nice meal, and I want you to go. And I just kind of sense that they were like, no, 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 we don't want to leave you. But this says that they went ahead and they went, as Jesus told them to do. Um, Matthew records this, Mark records this, and John records this story. Only Matthew records Peter's account of getting out of the, the boat and walking on the water. So as they, they go to the lakeside, they're waiting on Jesus, is what John says. They're waiting on him, but because it's, beginning, it's starting to get dark, they decide to go ahead and get in the boat and do what Jesus told them to do and start rowing. So from this story, I want to share with you what I believe four things that you and I should refocus on, four things that we should pay attention or truths that we need to know 
Now, when we're in the middle of some uncertain times or when we're in the middle of a, a storm or a, a trial, these distractions that come up in our lives, four things that I want us to, to know. So let's, let's go ahead and read the text, uh, and then we'll talk about those four things. Immediately after this, Jesus, this is after the feeding of the 5,000, verse 22, chapter 14. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, from a strong wind that had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Boo. No, he didn't say that. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to them, Lord, if it's really you, can you imagine the faith that it would take for him to muster up that statement? He's looking at Jesus on the water and says, Lord, if it's really you, if you're not a ghost and it's really you, just tell me to get out and walk on the water with you. And Jesus in verse 29 says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Now, we don't know how long he was walking on the water. Maybe it was two steps. Maybe it was ten. But he was walking on the water. And the other guys were in the boat wishing maybe they had the same courage that Peter had to do that, right? So he's walking on the water. He's experiencing something that no person has ever experienced ever before. He says he was walking toward Jesus, verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves say, distracted because he was doing great up to this point right he's walking toward Jesus he's walking on the water but all of a sudden he was reminded of the storm that they had been fighting for several hours by this point and he saw the winds and the waves he was distracted his attention was diverted away from the Savior and back to the waves and the wind it says when he saw the strong wind and the waves he was terrified and he began to sink Here's this prayer. I think sometimes the best prayers are the short prayers. Save me, Lord. Amen. He says, save me, Lord. He shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? It's almost like Jesus is saying, Peter, you had this, man. You were doing it. Why did you, why did you doubt? Why do you have so little faith? <clears throat> Verse 32, it says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So the storm ceased. It was all over. It says, then the disciples worshipped him. They were in awe of him. They said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would just speak to our hearts this morning as we are so prone to be distracted. As I mentioned earlier, we have so many things going on around us, and, and, and we are just enamored by those things, and we focus, our attention is diverted and when we see those things, it is so easy for us to get wrapped up in all the things that come along with it. And I know that Satan, our enemy, would love nothing more than to keep us distracted away from the things that really matter and our, our hope in you. And Lord, we need some hope today. And so, Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to receive the truth that you have for us today, uh, that we would uh, behold whatever it is that you want to share, uh, Lord, from your word today. And I ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, I think this is a great story, an example of someone who is 
their attention is diverted or they're distracted. <clears throat> In this story, I said I want to share with you four things that I believe when we are going through a season of distraction or when we're going through a trial or a, a storm in life that we need to be um, quick to do. And it's important for us to do this. It's not just like if you get around to it, but it's, it is important for us to understand these four things in the midst of a trial or in the midst of a storm. Number one is focus on the truth that he sees you. Okay? So focus on this truth. He sees you, even if you can't see him. So where was Jesus? Jesus was on top of a mountain praying. He had sent the disciples to uh, the Sea of Galilee to row what, about a mile and a half, not even all the way across it, but on the far north tip of it, just across to the next place. And, and so at this point it says it was dark when they got in the boat. And it tells us later that it was 3 o'clock in the morning when Jesus comes walking to them on the water. So these guys are struggling against the wind and the waves for about six hours it says that it had taken them about three to four miles away from the north bank. And so the wind was pushing them further and further and further south. And they're fighting and they're getting more nervous and more nervous because the water's getting deeper and the waves are getting higher. And they just think at any moment this boat is going to capsize and we're all going to perish. Yet Jesus is up on the mountain praying to his father. And it's not recorded in Matthew, but it is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. And it says, late that night the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on the land. He saw. No, he didn't see with his physical eyes because it was pitch black. It was midnight to three in the morning, it says. But Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. This would be a good time for me to tell you that the God that we serve, the God that we trust, is a God who is omniscient. He knows all things. Amen? So he saw them even though they didn't see him. They're looking around, probably not looking for Jesus because they've not seen anybody walk on water yet. But everything's black, the wind and the waves, they're hyper-focused on what's going on in front of them. They didn't see Jesus, but he saw them. And we should take comfort from that this morning that no matter what we're going through in life, that when we're distracted, we need to just refocus on that truth that God sees us. He knows right where we're at, even if we don't see him. <clears throat> Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Our Savior is omniscient. He knows all things. He sees you. Does that bring you comfort this morning? Well, for some of us, we might go, well, Not really. It's kind of like, wow, he sees me? Mm-hmm, he does. He's omniscient. He sees us. But in the middle of a storm, it's comforting to know and to be reminded of that truth. While we're diverted in our attention to think all hope is lost, to know that we have a Savior that is never outside of, or we're never outside of his watchful care. He sees us. We will never find ourselves in a place where Christ cannot find us. Do you know that truth this morning? No matter what you go through in this life, you will never find yourself in a place but Christ does not know or cannot find you where you're at. That's number one. Focus on the truth that he sees you. It says that he saw them in the middle of the night. He saw them. Number two, I would say <clears throat> focus on his presence. Not only that he sees them, but he is with them. Look back at the text, verse 25. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen, <clears throat> and they were fighting heavy waves. They were straining at the oars. 
It says about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. So Jesus is in their midst. He is near them in the middle of their fear, in the middle of the waves and the wind and the distractions. Jesus is near them. Now, sometimes we won't recognize Jesus as Jesus. Sometimes we won't recognize the presence of God as who he really is. We may see something else, but let's be reminded this morning, church, in the middle of our circumstances and our hardships and our storms, he is with us. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us just as he was with them. He comes walking toward them on the water. Now, I think I would have had the same response that they had. Never seen anybody walk on the water before. And so, what is that? You know, you're way down south in the Sea of Galilee. The winds, the waves are tall and crashing. And all of a sudden, you see a figure that looks like a man walking on the water. I would have freaked out a little bit, too. I might have peed just a little bit. All right? Sorry. It's PG version. It says, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. See, they didn't recognize him as Jesus, but he was there with them. Jesus spoke up to them at once. Don't be afraid, but take courage. I am here. Those three words. In the middle of the storm, sometimes we need to refocus on the truth that he is here. Do you feel that way when you're going through a potential loss of a job because of a COVID mandate? I mean, I've been talking to a lot of people this week, and it's crazy what everybody's being put into and the positions they're being put into and we're all questioning like what in the world is going on I feel like I'm on my very own boat in the middle of a storm and the winds and the waves are crashing down on me let me just remind you he sees you and he's with you he's with you don't ever forget that it's a very important truth a very important thing for us to refocus our attention that's been diverted away to be brought back to know that we need to focus on his presence. He is with us. Psalm 23, the psalmist said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Amen? He, he's with us, church. Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 43, 1-3 says, Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You get it again? I'm with you. Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them, for the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. He is with you. He's with us. It's important for us to remind ourselves of that when we are distracted and we're tempted to start getting discouraged or hopeless or anxious or fearful to know, you know what? He sees me and he's with me. So focus on his presence and don't rely on your emotions because your emotions will lie to you. Amen? I don't feel like he's with me. Well, the truth of his word and his word is truth, says that he'll never leave us and never forsake us. So we stand on that promise of God that even in the midst of our storm, uncertainties of life, the distractions around us, he is with us. Are you with me so far? Number three, not only does he see us, not only is he with us, I think the third thing we can do is focus on, and I like this part, his hand reaching out. 
I think at that moment when he was sinking and Peter said, Lord, help me, Lord, save me, he was looking at nothing else but a, a life preserver, a rescue. And at that moment, it says immediately Jesus reached down. Can you just see the hand extended to Peter? Immediately, he's like, let me just see you sweat it for a minute, Peter. I mean, I know what you're going to do later. You're going to deny me, you dirty dog. So let's just let you sink a couple times. I'll bring you back, right? No, it says immediately. He, he, he reached his hand out and he rescued him. And so I want us in the middle of our distraction, in the middle of our storm, to focus on his hand reaching out to us, focus on his way out, his rescue. I know that sometimes we experience this uncertainty. We don't know how it's all going to come to end. I mean, we're looking at the things going on and we're like, God, this is so messed up. I mean, can you handle it? Obviously, he can. But it is like, but but instead of focusing on all the negatives and all the, the anxiety and the fear and all the junk that comes along with having our attention diverted, we say, God, I'm just looking for how you're going to show up and show off in this situation in my life. God, I'm just looking for your hand at any moment to reach down and show me favor and to rescue me. Lord, we need you to come to our rescue. We should always be focusing our attention on the hand of God reaching out to us in the middle of our storm. Amen? Psalm 144.7 says, Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, from the power of my enemies. Isaiah 59.1, he reminds Isaiah, he says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. He's able to rescue, and so we should look for his rescue. I was thinking um, of a story in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel had been slaves for a long time, and God had miraculously delivered them out of slavery, and now they're, they're on the way to the promised land, and, and they're on this journey for a, for a while, and then they find themselves at the Dead Sea, or the Red Sea, excuse me, the Red Sea. And on the Red Sea, there's mountains on both sides of them, and there's a sea in front of them. And all of a sudden, they look back, and there's a whole army, an Egyptian army, the best in the world there, chasing and pursuing them, and they found themselves in a pickle. Now, I'm sure before that, they were probably excited. We're headed to the promised land, but they were distracted at that moment. The enemy is hot on our tail, right? And so I'm sure they panicked. In fact, it says that, that they panicked. It says in verse 13 of chapter 14 in Exodus, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. (laughs) That's good for you to say, Moses. You're at the front of the pack. I'm at the back closest to these guys, right? He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. It's hard to stand still sometimes, isn't it? We feel like we got to get busy doing something to get ourselves out of this own remedy and he says, just stand still and watch, see, look for the hand of the Lord. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never, ever see again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just, here's Shane's version, just calm down. He said, just stay calm. So I believe that when we're experiencing our own hardships and we're distracted, our attention is drawn away because of all the many things that we're dealing with, that we need to bring our attention and our focus back to a God that can save, a God that can and is able to rescue and to look for his way out, to look for his, his chance at pulling you out of this mess because, folks, he is a, a God that loves us and cares for us, and I believe that he can. Amen? Have you just thought about that? How's God going to deal with pandemic? I call it the pandemic. How's he going to deal with that? How's God going to deal with mandates how's God going to deal with corruption and all that stuff I mean he's able 
Guys, I'm not going to question God's ability to take care of all this stuff. He's able. And when there seems to be no way, he's always demonstrated throughout Scripture that he's able to rescue his people who cry out to him. I think sometimes we're not desperate enough to cry out, Lord, help me. I mean, it's getting bad and all we're doing is complaining. It's getting tight and scary and all we're doing is looking for, you know, our own way of fixing something. And he's like, just sit back, trust me. I mean, we do our part right, but trust me because I, am, I have the ability to save you, he says. And so we should look for and focus on his reaching out, his hand reaching out to save us. So that's number three. And lastly, fourth, I would say this. And in the midst of the storm, we need to focus on his power. You ever just sit back and consider how powerful God is? One of the guys at the conference, of course, he was African-American. He can preach it, man, like I can't do it, right? We're just, you just quit taking notes and you're listening because it's fun. You're like, whoa, this guy's going. But one of the things he said, you realize that God, he stepped out on nothing and spoke to nothing and created everything. That's power, right? This God that we trust and that we serve is a powerful God, and so focus on his power. Do you know that God is able to do exceeding and abundantly more than you think or you ask? I think sometimes we're guilty of not asking enough. I think sometimes we just say, God, would you just help me today? And he's like, man, I would want to do more than that. Just ask. He's able. So focus on his power. Notice that whenever they got in the boat, it says the wind stopped, and they immediately knew that. And recognize that as the power of Jesus. You read the Gospel of John, it just talks about the deity, his power over creation, his power over sickness, his power over enemies, his power over everything. It's a word called sovereignty, and he is a sovereign God. He's an all-powerful God, right? It says, when they got back in the boat, the wind stopped, the disciples worshipped him, and they said, you really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. So focus on his his power we sing the song there's nothing that our God can't do do you believe that this morning there's nothing that our God can't do he's a sovereign God in a hopeless situation he parted the Red Sea as I said a moment ago he has power over enemies power over nature power over sickness I'm going to ask you the question church what do you see what are you looking at today what are you focused on today as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm a news junkie. There's some stations I'll stay away from, but I'm looking for news. I'm looking for what's going on and trying to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on in America because I'm a red-blooded a patriot. Oh, 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 and I love my country. But I'm going to be honest. I can spend so much time there that it can kind of put me in a bad mood. It can, it can kind of make me start getting sour at life and pessimistic. In fact, I've visited with people before, and I'll, say, I'll tell you this. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I have hope that some good things are coming. I have hope that some things are going to be turned around. But the reality is there's a lot of people that are losing that hope. There's a lot of people that are saying, I don't know, man. I don't know. But we focus on his power because we know that he is able. And so I would say, what do you see? What are you focused on? What are you hyper-focusing on right now? What has diverted your attention? Just know this. You and I have a choice when it comes to the distractions around us. We have a choice. We don't have to let our attention be diverted in camp out there. Kind of like me with the ADHD. I'm telling you, it's bad. I'm sitting on my desk, and I'm trying to study, and I hear a fly, and I'm like, I'm gone. And it may be 20 minutes before I get back to what I was doing. It's terrible, y'all. 
But we have a choice when it comes to the things that we focus on, that, that, that distract us, what we do, what we choose to see. So the question is, what do you see? Do you see the storm? Do you see the trial? Do you see all the corruption? Do you see all the, the junk that's going on? And you see that, and it leads to fear, anxiety, worry, depression, hopelessness. Or do you see Jesus in the storm? Here's the, here's the reality. The storm that was on the disciples that day, the waves were high, <clears throat> and they were over the disciples, and Jesus was standing on the waves. So what seemed to be over them was under his feet. How many know all things are under his feet? I heard another story just this morning, actually, about Tony Evans. Tony Evans is a preacher down in Oak Cliff um, Church, Bible Church, whatever it's called. His wife and he went on a, <clears throat> a cruise. And on this cruise, it said they were in the middle of the, the ocean, and the captain of the ship gets on the radio and says, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we're about to encounter a pretty significant storm, and so y'all need to kind of buckle up or brace yourselves, whatever you do, but just prepare for the storm. And so Tony's wife, hearing this, goes to a crew member and says, hey, why don't you ask the, 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 the guy that's running this ship if he would just put down the anchor for a little while and let us ride out this storm. And when the storm is over, then we can go on to our destination. The crew member's like, Okay. I'll go ask him. He goes and he comes back a moment later and he says, I got two things that he told me to tell you. Number one is he's the captain and you're not. Sometimes we need to remember that who the real captain is in our life. Amen? And number two, he said this, and I think it's very important. He said, this ship was designed for this type of storm. This ship was designed to take it. Folks, our Savior was designed for every storm that you'll ever encounter in your life. He can handle it. He is above all things. He can be trusted. And you and I just simply need to refocus to bring it back in, right, from all this diverted attention, bring it back in and trust him to pilot the ship to bring us safely through it and safely home because he is faithful. Amen? And so I would say this in closing, there's a reason for God's people, there, excuse me, there's no reason for God's people to fear. There's no reason for anxiety, no matter how hopeless and threatening our problems seem to be. Life is often stormy and painful, often threatening and frightening, and some believers suffer more than others, but all suffer at some time and in some way. In spite of that, the storm is never so severe, the night never so black, and the boat never so frail that we risk danger beyond our Father's care. He is able. What do you see? Let's refocus on his loving care and his ability to see us through whatever it is that we're going through in life. Amen? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for the encouragement that we get just to remind us ourselves in the midst of chaos right now when we're so distracted and our attention has been so diverted away from the truths that we hold dear in our hearts and our lives and we stand on and we sing about and we read in our, our scriptures, Lord, and we, during this time, seem like we're so distracted and we see anxiety everywhere. We see fear. We see hopelessness. We see bitterness. We see anger. God, we see depression. And Lord, I'm just convinced that as we look at all the examples in your word, that's not where you want us to be. Lord, we trust in you, and you are our hope. And because you are our hope, we have this divine ability to focus not on the things that we see, not the wind and the waves, but to focus on our Savior, to know, Father, that you see us, in the midst of this, to know that you're with us, that your presence is with us all the time, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. 
Lord, to know that your hand is reaching out, and Lord, you're able and you're mighty to save, as we sing in another song. And Lord, to know that you're all-powerful, that there is nothing that is too difficult for you. Lord, would we refocus our hearts, our, our minds, and our attitudes on that this morning, and may, as a result of that, may we be filled with joy. May we be filled with hope. May we be filled with just a sense of optimism, knowing, God, that you've got this and that you're in control ultimately. And Lord, as a result of that, we have people that are watching us. And Lord, they, they, they need to see this hope as well. And, and I hope that we live it so strongly that they will come to us and demand that we, give, that we give to them a reason for our hope. And we'll be able to tell them, hey, we trust in Jesus. He's got a, tra- a great track record And we know that he'll do it again. So, Lord, would you just be with us as families? Lord, for those that are maybe going through some storms of their own, maybe on a more personal level, marriage, finance, sickness. God, you know their stories. And, Lord, but all of them they have in common, it's a storm. It's It's a trial. It's a hardship in life. And, Lord, even in those times, God, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts this morning, call them back to you to, to recognize you as their source, You is their hope. You is the one that's going to pull them through whatever it is that we walk through. Lord, at the end of all of this, it's for your glory and for your honor. Whether we stand before you and we'll look back on this life and we'll think that was nothing, nothing compared to the awesome glory that we are now experiencing in the presence of our God and Savior. So, Lord, would you please speak to our hearts this morning. Help us to take a step of faith today. Uh, Lord, and just trust you as we go forward in this in this country, in our families, in our workplaces, Lord, in our health, Lord, in everything that we do, Lord, that we would trust you with it all. And we humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.